Hello there. My name is Gareth Long and I'm the Communications Coordinator for the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences at ARU. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing some of our students, alumni and academic and technical staff to explore their experiences of education, their career paths and their advice for anyone hoping to work in the same field. In this episode, I talk with Dr John Stone, lecturer for our BA Honours Creative Writing courses and co-founder of award-winning small press publisher Sidekick Books. We explore the relationship between poetry and games, the importance of communities in creative writing, and why the advice, be yourself, might not actually be very helpful. So with no further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Hi, John. Hi. Hello. Welcome to AHSS Podcasts. Uh, could you start off by um, telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Uh, so I'm John Stone. I'm Dr. John Stone, technically, although it, it's it's still, it's reasoned enough for that to feel very weird in my mouth um, and like a kind of, <laughs> like a claim that, uh, that I don't feel deserve somehow um, but that's technically accurate so I'm, uh, I'm a poet and a writer and an editor and a small press publisher and a lecturer and a researcher which sounds like a, a lot of different roles but they're all really they're all connected together as 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 one really in that I I, uh, I teach and make um, books and writing and try and get it out there into the world. So I, I, I do my do my own writing, my own poetry, uh, poetry and sort of adjacent styles of writing, and that is published by um, an array of smaller presses and journals sporadically and occasionally collected up together into um, into a book. Hopefully there'll be more of them coming along along the road soon. And I also, uh, as uh, one of one of two um directors and editors of a small press called sidekick books i come up with ideas for poetry uh poetry anthologies usually they are their poetry anthologies mixed with one other thing so it'll be like a book of computer game poems or it'll be um we did a book of um comic poems that are half comics and half poems uh, or uh, poems on animals and film mixed with essays on animals and films. We're, we're trying deliberately to kind of like uh, do vert, do um, evolve the genre of the poetry anthology in different directions. And when we've decided on like something that we'd like to do, either myself and my co-director Kirsty, or in cons- on our own, or sometimes in consultation with other people who have ideas we then go through like a process of um, soliciting or commissioning uh, poems and contributions from other writers and artists. Sometimes it'll be an open call for submissions, uh, send us things to look through. Sometimes if we've got Arts Council funding for a project, uh, we'll be able to offer fees with that. Other times we say we can only really offer uh, a copy of the book and um, the publicity that comes with that because we won't be making money off it ourselves um, but we then put the book together and and promote it as like a a collaborative book by um uh by all the writers involved so although like we're the editors we tend not to kind of push the angle that it's just our book um we try and uh, our sort of branding our selling point as as sidekick books is that we make collaborative works or we um we work with other writers and artists to bring about collaborative works. Um, so that's what I spend uh, a lot of time doing. And, and that's for me, like very connects very strongly with also uh, teaching creative writing. I'm very, I'm very into the idea of like of writing as a community of writing as a, as a way, as a way in which we collectively uh, explore and, uh, and find things out rather than it just being I suppose I suppose I'm uh, consciously I work against this idea of writers as like a special breed of people who have um who have like special insights and then deliver them in the form of books and everyone sort of looks up to them I'm, I'm much more interested in the idea of like writing being 
being a, a process of discovery that we that that many people choose to embark on, and anyone who wants to who wants to take that road as long as they're they're sort of dedicated to it um, can join in and should be able to join in and collective projects are one way of doing that. I think that I think the collective projects we do it opens it up to for more more people and more people who want to to write and make things to be involved than if you have a than if you have a culture of everyone just competing to be one of the few professional writers on the shelves. So that, that's the sort of slipped into there into talking about the um the ideology behind um what I do. But that that's that's where I come from. And it's in my own work as well. I kind of like a lot of my work is usually um taking things that all like bits of things that already exist, maybe collaging out of them or reinterpreting, um, doing uh, like new translations or versions of things that are around or finding a way to kind of interact with things that are or exist or exploring I suppose the thing I've missed out is that my um my PhD um which I complete which I, I completed like in the last couple of years is on um poems and computer games and the way they speak they speak to one another and the sort of hybrid poem games or game poems that, that different people are developing in different ways I'm very interested in the idea of as someone coming from the background of being most mostly a poet I'm I'm hugely invested in poetry uh advancing towards a state of hybridity with other art forms and and games both um both video games and tabletop games and other kinds of games is is, is has become my sort of area that I've, I've done most research on and most investment on so i have a, a book coming out in fact in the next couple of months in march it should be uh which is which is is has been developed out of my PhD. It's called um, Dual Wield, the Interplay of Poetry and Video Games. And that's a that's a combined sort of study of, of the things that other people are doing, both game developers and poets to kind of mingle, um, find ways of, of taking bits of one art form and working them into the other. And also it, it's supported by my own sort of experiments in that area, which have been going on in the background for the last few years i've been trying to work out how can i how can i write poems that are playable and i write poems that are that where like the person the reader effectively has a presence within the poem um and becomes part of how it uh uh how it plays out um either with a graphical accompaniment or just as kind of words on the screen that you can manipulate um so I think I think that about about covers the first question. I've probably gone on a bit. That's fine. That's fine. It's interesting. Um, and there's numerous things I'd like to, to delve into deeper there. But as we've ended on the poetry and games, do you find there's a a natural relationship between poetry and games and, and playfulness? Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, well, the thing is, there is a there's a natural. Um, not a symmetry, but a resonance. But at the same time, there's also a tension, and you've got to kind of address both. And there are like a there are there, there are tensions between uh, a form of um, or a cultural phenomenon in which people often play to win or to beat other people or to kind of uh, be told that they've got to the end of it and they've completed it. Games on the one hand, and a cultural form on the other hand. Uh, poetry, which is which never really seems to have a an end, which is sort of defined by the fact that you can keep coming back to it and finding new things, and it, and it retains a sort of ambiguity and um, and a sort of it, its its power seems to be located in the fact that no one you've never quite mastered a good poem, you've never quite understood it all the way through. There's always more to find. Yeah, yeah. But there, are, but there is, yeah, there is, a, there is a resonance. They're both, to my mind, that like almost any kind of game and almost any kind of poem, in some way, invites you into a sort of um, some some kind of labyrinth, some kind of situation where you feel you've got to, you you are aware of yourself as the reader or as the player. Um, figuring out your way through something, feeling your way through something, um, 
more I'm contrasting that with other forms where you feel way where we can kind of forget ourselves completely and simply receive something that's at the end of a delivery system so um film narrative mediums for the most part although we can choose to as sort of researchers or as thinkers to kind of investigate them more fully it's they're designed around and it's easier to feel like you can just sort of absorb yourself in what's being said to you it's just about it's just a sort of message coming through it's just a series of events playing out say and it plays out in front of you and you receive it and feel like you you've then you've then seen everything you've gathered everything in whereas the big the the a strong connection i think between games and and poems is this sort of self-awareness they throw at you you when you come to them you become aware that you are having to kind of make decisions uh, about how you proceed through them uh, what you're going to take away from them um it, it they they announce themselves as, as as spaces to be navigated if that makes sense hmm. yeah well, yeah i was thinking puzzle box but maybe because well it is a sense of um the individual being involved like you say and, and trying but is that always the case with poetry do you think are there some that are more almost didactic or you know telling the reader what is what or is it always that playful you're right always is putting it too strong you never really say always with any art form because they all have these nebulous edges where um it moves in theater and of course they're like there's a whole um vast tradition of epic poetry which is very narratively driven so it has that kind of narrative element to it so um so yeah not not all kinds of both but but they're the sort of like tendency and towards the center of both is is this uh is what i'm talking about the sort of navigable space um and that creates the conditions for the two to for like plenty of opportunities for the two to overlap but but you're right it'd be very hard to take a kind of say a completely didactic say a poem that's designed to be um uh performed and is very much driven by like a, a distinct political message and is uh and really utilizes uh rhythm and rhyme purely in the service of that message it's hard to take that and then put it together um with with a game uh in order to find you know the, the two then start disrupting each other you're right and certainly there are forms of game which um although they make the player aware of themselves they're so drip they're so system driven and they're so much about do this thing right or do this or do this or do it wrong you know answer this question right or make this series of moves in exactly the right order that they um that they don't really leave room for you to kind of like feel like like get, get lost in them they're more about simply proceeding through a series of steps mm. um so yeah, the, the, not in every case, absolutely. Like they'll give sense. There is more possibility for the boundaries to be blurred and unmixed nowadays, I guess, with digital. Um, yeah. I'll say publishing, but um, digital games um, throughout media. In fact, digital media generally. I'm thinking of things like the Black Mirror experiment yeah. i didn't try it myself but uh, it, it just sounded like an old um text adventure or something but it was yes and i remember i i, I partly didn't watch it out of so, like solidarity with all the, all the people who've been working in interactive fiction for years making these kind of thing making these kind of things because it's very it's very much a situation where there's this whole tradition um just not very well known of of like writers working with new media to create interactive mm. texts very rich like um like lots of writing about it but then because it's sort of slightly below the waterline in terms of uh, cultural awareness you get a famous figure like charlie brooker comes along does nothing really particularly innovative in that area it just happens to be filmed and have a budget behind it and everyone and and those writers get the annoyance of sitting there and seeing people talk about how original and new it is when <laughs> when it's really uh, it's really just following in there in their footsteps um so I, I i try i try i try myself with what i do to like be cautious about making claim to doing anything particularly new because i know this is this is like an area that a lot of people have been have been working in although i don't find a lot i don't find a lot of like people doing interactive poems there are some and they have done them in different ways and I'm, i've tried to kind of um talk about some of them 
uh, in my book, but it's an area that's very dominated with, by interactive stories at the moment. Uh, but to go back to your what, your original point, yeah, the whole digit, the whole kind of um, the extent to which we live and interact with each other now digitally or uh, engage with digital media is is what provides the opportunity for like this whole area to open up because a, a lot of poetry now is consumed off the screen anyway. It's um, people um, people read it off um, and it's published primarily on a lot of websites. Um, and uh, there are a lot of websites where you can simply put your poems up, of course, without um, the need for it to be mediated or edited by an editor. And that gives a lot of scope for people to take the interactive elements of, of web design, um, the, um, the fact that things are clickable and, and work that into the poem. And, and there are lots of tools that make that, or quite you know, a few tool, tools that are designed for building interactive stories into websites that can be used um used to do that so it makes it kind of like as easy easier than it's ever been for someone who's say just a writer just a just a poet to transition into experimenting with interactive um digital poems i seem to remember it seems like years ago now there were there was some kind of um auto poem builder i think on the web somewhere that I saw where you're mm. it's just you're picking from themes or something and it's keying in random words to go in a, yes. a bit <laughs> almost like the kind of uh, the thing you have on your website that I can't remember was it Capachon uh, um, but it said instead of picking random poems it's just picking out the words that will fit in around it yeah. and there's lots of playful ideas like that which do seem to work well with poetry but then maybe that does poetry a disservice because it suggests that it could just be randomized you know? well it's just a starting point the, the first so the first two ideas that occur to anyone i think when they're like what can i you know when they're thinking about what can i do with um digital tools and poetry is a poem generator something that is fascinating because it um because someone can click a button and generate a different poem each time and even the person who's putting all the possible uh permutations for each line will be surprised by what what comes out and that's that's something people do in different forms one one of the ways i played around with that was to create uh, a few years ago a bunch of twitter bots who were all a combination of like one poet and another like with their names mashed together in a ridiculous way like Dor dorothy parker and philip larkin becomes philothy parkin and then i just got like lots of lines from their poems and put them in uh, into um uh and put them into an algorithm i think it was in, on a website called cheap bots done quick where you could say like take take something from this list combine it with something from this list uh combine it with something from this list and then it tweets every every day like a new random combination of both of their poems and it's and it's fun in that you once you've done it you kind of check in every now and then and you don't remember you didn't think of all the combinations, so it still can it can still surprise you in what it comes out with. And the other thing that everyone um, thinks to do, other than a, a poem generator, hang on, did I have two in mind, or am I just thinking of two variations of the same thing? Oh, it's it's something where it's something where you the user would input some fields. So they'd say that so the user might say like like pick a color, uh, put their name in. Um, Put another couple of things in, and then then it generates a poet a poem using uh, those things that the um, that the user has been able to put in, or or allows them some other kind of like tool with which they can manipulate the poem. So effectively, the 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 idea is that the user coming to the poem gets to feel that they are making a poem, not just seeing one generated. Um, and it's a it's a tool that is I think probably used in it's probably sometimes in creative writing workshops or just kind of like very casual workshops to kind of encourage people to think like, well, you can, you can, you can get into writing poetry as well, because a lot of poetry is just kind of combining things in a particular way. So if we give you just a little bit of help with a computer that program that takes things you've put in and arranges them in a particular way, it might help you to kind of see, uh, see how you can progress to a similar thing. And I think that's where everyone sort of starts up with those, those variations of those two ideas. And then the next place I'm going to take, I want to take it is 
because the trouble with both those ideas is it takes a lot of wave into from the writer, from the author in terms of expression, right? So you're handing a lot of the reins over to either randomness in the case of the poem generator or, or to a reader or end user in terms of the, the, the poem program, the program that helps someone generate a poem. So you want to kind of then pull that a little bit back keep some of those elements, maybe think that the the, re, the reader can still input in some way, can control it in some way and this, and keep some random elements, but try and work out how you can still use that model to make it um, ex express or center around a particular idea that you want to, um, that you want to explore. Uh, and that's, that's where, it, that's where you've got to, where I've been, I've been like looking at, where I've been trying different things to try and work out how you can get that balance right. How do you get the balance right between it being an, being still kind of expressive, still having a kind of um, an author behind it, so it's a recognisable work by 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 someone, but make the uh, but have those those tools, those interactive elements in there, so that and those uh, randomising elements in there, so that firstly, so that the reader or player, as they are now feels involved in it, feels they're contributing to it in some way, or they're part of it. And secondly, the, the, I think the idea with the with randomizing elements is it, it makes something feel like it's unfolding right there in front of you. So instead of you feeling you're reading a poem that's already been written, it's the, it's, the, it's to generate a feeling of kind of immediacy, like the, the poem is actually unfolding from like now, from the point where you've decided to interact with it. And that that's a really interesting um, effect that I think could really become could really take off if enough people sort of embrace it and start playing around with it. It reminds me a bit of the the cut up lyrics that used to be done by people like David Bowie, who would then yes, just go yeah. through a newspaper and choose it's still authorial. They've still, but but they're using the words that are in front of them to put together a new piece of art or a new song or you know. Yes, and, and the whole tradition, the whole Ulipo tradition in. Um, uh, that started in France as well of kind of coming up with games in order to generate texts where where some element of it will be uh, randomised or you'll be following a rule that makes it arbitrary. And I I argue at one point in my book that this is all it's all a sort of way of replacing or like finding a different way to tune into the muse, right? Because poetry has, has for a long time had this notion of the muse, and the muse is something out of your control, isn't it? You, um, it, it's the idea that as a poet, you're not just, you're not a, you're not a master of, of language. You're not a master of, uh, you're not like someone with, with brilliant insight who is simply like writing things down for people to follow. You're tapping into a power that is slightly beyond you. And you're using that to try and like, like feel your way forward, find your way forward in the world. And, and the old way of, kind of expressing that idea would have been to talk about a muse, say like you have to wait for something to strike you, you have to wait for something outside of yourself to work its way through you. And a way that that's now uh, evolved into, into something sort of more technological is, is these methods poets have been using pre-digitally, uh, but now, now very available digitally of um, things that can be randomized or generated that you can let um, come into the poem and and you would then mediate that slightly you decide kind of like like what elements you're going to like keep and bring to the fore and what elements you're going to say that's uh, it, you know are not uh, probably not worth including but it's it's got that it's it's still got that element of something working through you rather than you just being in charge of it very, very strongly connected to like the idea of, of divination that human humans fascinated with the idea that that we you can if you can tap into something you can get insights that you're just that you're just not capable of doing just by thinking just by philosophizing mm -hmm. you can only get there by doing uh, by making a system which which allows different things to come out that you didn't think of first it's almost like using the I Ching but with words rather than a, mm. I can't the brute they're not runes are they I can't remember what they're called now but uh Yes. Yes, I know what you mean. But it, exactly. Yes, the I, I Ching or Tarot, things like that, that have like long been connected with poetry. Yeah. So, John, is there any one thing that you can think of? It could be a piece of art, writing, music, that's inspired you to do what you do now. Um, so, the thing I usually jump towards with this question is a single poem 
called um, Love Made Yeah by Glenn Maxwell. Uh, I mentioned that because I think that's the one thing that made the biggest difference between me being um, a prose writer or a story writer, which I was all the way through my childhood, writing, uh, writing stories and comics. That was the thing that started to convert me into poet, someone who works with poetry. Because up to that point, up to reading that, it would have been in uh, sixth form, uh, in English classes in an anthology. Up to that point, I'd, I'd had the same attitude towards poetry that I think probably most people still have, which is fine, like not really understanding why it's done in this way. Like, so, yep, yep, I can see that it rhymes and it's got form. I don't really see why you would do that to, to writing, why we're not just using it to convey uh, information or a story. And um, I read Love Made Year as part of uh, the new poetry anthology, which was I think published by Blood Axe uh, in the early 90s and it was the first time I'd, in, uh, I'd encountered a poem where I didn't understand what was going on but I liked it anyway and it kind of really like tripped a switch in my mind made me realize like oh yeah like I see now like some of the whole point of this as a reader is that you shouldn't you don't jump straight to what it means or what it's trying to convey you start with with the music and with the images within this kind of like swirl of um of things that it's sort of showing you and, and this this textual um labyrinth or orchestra and you start start there and you enjoy the process of slowly working your way towards what it might mean what it what it could mean and part of you, you there's a tension because part of you wants to get there wants to figure the thing out but part of you is kind of happy not knowing because not knowing is what is is when is when you're just you're just hearing the sounds and you're just seeing the images and you're just seeing it as a as a as not as, as an object almost the poem as a, as a kind of physical object with presence um that um that hasn't settled into just a message yet so that was that was the it was it was that point reading that 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 poem which has lots of kind of like weird rhyming and a kind of bizarre rhythm that's not quite it's not quite um naturalistic but it's not quite traditional meter either um that was where i suddenly got switched on to that and ever since i've i've not even though i've tried to kind of keep writing prose i've not been able to get away from the fact that i want that i want the language that i that i write a lot of the time to have to have a kind of it's like to impress itself on, on you physically and not let you just jump straight to the uh, to the mm. meaning. It's, so it's that's the one there. It's in, in between the two worlds of music and writing, really, isn't it? Because the way we yeah. our relationship with music, or at least slightly more complex music, I guess, usually we hear it the first time, and our brains can't quite make sense of it, and then you gradually unravel it the more you yeah. listen to it yeah. and, and and find different things in it until you assimilate it essentially and, and have the yeah, perception yeah. of it and then sometimes it's difficult to go back and see it any other way until somebody else points something else out to you but yeah and, and an element of visual art as well there's music there's music and then there's text but then there's like then poetry is also slightly it pushes into the realm of like you enjoying what it looks like on the page uh, as well and, and just seeing it in that way as a kind of because there's, there's a whole area of ecemic poetry as well which is poetry that doesn't mean anything like it's not written in it just looks like letters they're not real or, or something like letters but they're not they're not letters you can't read you can't convert it into sound you can't convert it into language you can only see it as like an image and that's that's a, that's a whole sort of subgenre that people work into work in as well I can't remember the name of the poet now, which is it's not going to help much. But I remember reading a book of poetry recently by a contemporary poet. I think he got famous through Twitter, so you might know his name. But a lot of the work he does in it is simply making pictures from the poems that match up with the theme mm. of the, the poems about. You know, uh, and, and I don't know if I'd ever seen a, a poet. A book of poetry that had been written like that before you know I'd, I'd seen it on the occasional greetings card or something like that but it's actually it's quite an art form in itself isn't it just marrying up the form of the writing with the theme of the poem mm, I'm not sure what's occurring there but there's a whole there's a like again to the whole way in which visual art can then intersect with poetry so uh, Max Ernst made uh, what he called visible poems by by collaging bits of pictures 
and they were poems in the sense that you could see how the individual bits he'd taken could be components of a grammar or language, just one that you can't you can't understand that is a, a alien to us. And then several of the books we've done with with Sidekick have been uh, have included like uh, artists as well as um, writers, or they've asked writers to kind of think in terms of um, of collage and visual visual poems as well, and and bring that um, element on board. And all of those, uh, whichever way you approach it, it's always it's, there's all these different ways um, that the two can interact. They can be in tension with one another. They, the art can be like can be part of the grammar of the poetry, um, or it can all sort of be like a solution to the riddle. There's, lots of different ways once you get those two things alongside each other they can play off spark off one another what's the most valuable thing that you think you took away from your own education so um i finished my uh ba in 2004 and i actually didn't i didn't go on to do an ma i didn't do what a lot of people doing like stay in education at that point i didn't, didn't think i would go back to education at all i only got back to doing the to it when I decided when I fact decided I wanted to do the PhD and I got a good enough subject to do a PhD which was uh, going on for 15 years later but out of, out of that initial you know uh, university doing the BA which I did at um, University of East Anglia I think the most valuable thing I got out of it was the continued relationship I had with with other writers at, at that point and um, and how that had come out of um, working working together, um, or taught, or just being able to discuss writing with them, and, and writing and reading with them, I suppose. In in that um, I I found that what I was able to continue in terms of what the, the practices that I'd started in. Um, uh, in studying towards the degree that the practices of reading, reading critically, and writing, writing creatively, um, I was able to continue both of those mostly because I kept a hold of the relationships with other people who'd been um, on my course or in the creative writing society um, that we had there. Because the work, the, the work I went into straight away wasn't I can find anything related to what I've studied at all really. It, um, it didn't. Um, it, it was. It was hard. It's been. It's been hard trying to like make it. Uh, make what I did then relate to, or feed into what I did as a job. And I did something completely different for, for a for a decade. But um, I kept up the creative practice, and the practice of, of of reading widely and reading critically because I'd. Um, managed to build friendships with other people who were interested and, and and not just friendships but kind of like semi-professional relationships coll colleagues in the in the practice of like being lifelong writers and readers almost um i'd made those connections and and uh and stayed in touch with those people and when i met other people from other universities who were still like writing and reading critically that would be a that would be a way I, I would I would bond with them as well, and I would I would still continually um, find and form and fall in and out of like groups of people who would who would uh, whether we were gathering at the pub or going around uh, someone's party would would talk about writing and reading. That's that's the thing. That's the thing I want. I want kind of students I have now to kind of go away from it as well, because I, I like my, my strong suspicion is that if you go out of university just with your degree and um, and your and the things you've written and the things you've and, and the things you've read, there are not a lot of environments you can jump straight into which will encourage you to continue that. And it's quite hard with writing to continue it when actually like life demands that you do a bunch of other things. At that point, so I, th I think the most valuable thing really is to like the, the connections with other people that you that you take out of that, and, and keeping hold of people you know there who are also writing and reading. Mm -hmm. So when you were thinking back to when you were at school first time, or is there any piece of advice you would give yourself now to keep you on the 
right track. If I mean, you if you could go back in time and give yourself advice, you, you do it. Would, it would be like a, it would be like a degree, wouldn't it? You'd, do, you'd have like a series of modules you'd set yourself and it can make yourself come every week in order to give yourself all the all the advice you need. If you like, like and and boiling that down to like one or two pieces of advice is very difficult. But I think mm-hmm. sometimes I think back to like the bad advice I got or like the the things that the, the, the stuff I like, wish I'd been able to put aside sooner. I think one of the worst pieces of advice you're given continually when you're young, particularly if you're kind of like a little bit of an oddball and um, and uh, you're some, you know, you're like a, when you're a teenager and you're struggling socially, uh, one of the worst pieces of advice people give you is to like be yourself. It's, it's well intentioned, but it's like a very it's like a very static instruction. It's like don't, it's like just just mm-hmm. just, just settle for who you are, stand around and do that, and uh, and ignore like how people respond to that. Um, which is very hard to do and, and like and isn't isn't I don't think it's good advice at all. And what I'd want to say to myself instead is like, be on the lookout for who it is you want to become and experiment all the time with uh, different uh, directions, different possibilities for, for who you might end up as because you don't know yet. There are all these kind of possibilities as to who you're going to become based on um, who you meet, who you try to fit in with who you compromise with, who you take uh, instruction from, um, and you're only going to get the the best of that if you are like conscious that you're kind of experimenting with that. If you're not, if you um, if you try different things out, and if you um, keep in mind all the time that you're not who you are is not set in stone, is not settled now. Mm. the yourself you are now is is not particularly important and a particularly important thing to hang on to it'll probably carry on in some form or another anyway it's very unusual for someone to completely change so so let you know don't worry about losing that concentrate on um on the direction you want to want to go in who you and who you do want to be and i think i think maybe if i'd uh caught on to that caught on to that sooner i might have had it like been more at ease with with that because I think I did you know everyone experiments anyway but the thing about the be yourself advice it can lead you to kind of feel feeling like spending a lot of time worrying about whether you're betraying some principle or you're um or who or you, you are in the first place yeah. if you're a crazy yes. thinker yes, especially exactly, I think exactly. it, it yeah, can just worry. create more questions to make you yeah worry. you can get stressed, stressed out. out having you can go and have like a fun time with new people try try new things or uh, and then and then be really stressed out afterwards that that you're um that you're changing or that you kind of that you compromised by uh, by going along with something that you wouldn't normally have done and and I would want to tell myself to like not worry about any of that and just just try try things out and 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 see who you want to become excellent yes good advice uh, what interesting thing about Cambridge do you know that others might not I don't know how long you've been around Cambridge are you I've only just got to Cambridge. Have you really? Is there anything think, new um, that you found? I don't think so. I don't know <laughs> anything that other people don't. In that case, um, tell me what the most interesting thing is. One thing I know that I didn't now. know before before Christmas hmm. uh, is is that um, the the um, it's it's the leper chapel of St Mary, not the leopard chapel of St Mary. <laughs> I, I I got told about this chapel. Um, by people who were suggesting things that place I'm up to go, and they talked about the le- the leopard chapel, and I was very intrigued, and I completely misheard it as le- as like leopard, and and I said to them like why why is it called that? Is there a is there a leopard chained up in the basement or something? And it only ob- obviously occurred to me then like a little while later when I went to see it and read the sign that if I if I thought they were saying leopard, they thought I must have been saying leopard back. So le- saying leper back to them. So, so I so I'd asked a group of other lecturers who I met for the first time if a leper was tied up in the basement of a chapel, and, that, and as if that was like a normal thing to ask. Um, so that's yeah. So that's maybe that's that's maybe that's something people could pass on. It's not a mm. it's not a leopard chapel. It's a leper chapel. <laughs> a leopard chapel. I would much prefer. And there's a, a scrapyard near it, which is which is interesting to look into if you like scrapyards. If you find scrapyards interesting, 
I think a leopard chapel would be fantastic. Maybe that's something they could start at the zoo in Linton, which isn't that far away from I don't know if they have leopards. Um, okay, so what projects are you currently working on, both at AIU and outside of AIU? So I don't, I don't know yet how to, or if I would draw a, like, a particularly clean line between projects going on inside AIU and AIU, because I've been um, hired as a sort of, practitioner researcher as well as a teacher and I and I, I kind of think everything everything that I'm doing is fairly connected together in my mind and I hope all of it will like in some way plays into um things that I'll be doing in AIU and things that were that are that are for the university and will help um you know keep like work with the university's uh reputation ongoing reputation um so a few things I'm working on are uh, a, a next book of poetry, uh, a next collection of poetry out of the things I've been doing so far, and it's going to be mostly centred around um, the finding a kind of like a, a connective tissue of toys, games, and fantasia of, of various kinds. So it's sort of drawing a connection between the technology, the sort of Victorian technologies when we started to get interested in moving pictures and mechanisms and devices and and what we think of as being like toys and games these days and how um and and the resonance of that with how we grow and work things out and uh, and how they and how it sort of becomes representative of, of the very the very fine film in a way there is between reality or the factual world and, and the world of sort of fantasy that we enter into when we think about things a little more freely or when we experiment with what could be that's um that's not that's a pretty um jumbled summary but that's roughly where all these put how are the subjects around which various poems are amalgamating and and they're going to form their way into uh, into a new collection that i hope will be out in the next sort of couple of years um i'm as um as sidekick me and kirsty are working on four new books at the moment we've gone through a round of of taking in submissions of them we're working our way through all the submissions at the moment and working from them working out from the submissions that we've got what kind of books these are going to be we had a have a rough idea we had an idea of them from the start so it's a series of four books called hip flasks and although they're all sort of poetry books they're all presenting themselves as something else as well there's uh, say it again a book of misquotations roll again uh, a book of games to play look again a book of hidden messages and you again, a book of love-hate stories. So they all say what they are on the front cover, but they're also all collections of poems or poem-like texts. And we've we've taken in uh, about sort of 200 submissions across the four books, and we've been like talking a lot about them, sending each other notes about them, writing notes on a spreadsheet about which ones um, which ones uh, work best, and a suggest and a, a sort of helping the, the submissions themselves are helping us with a firmer idea of what the books are going to be and what extra content is needed and the idea is that we'll be um, editing them adding in some extra things uh, partly um, some uh, public bits of public domain text some of our own ideas for things partly some additional commissions where we'll go to like particular writers that we think can kind of fill in the gaps on these books um, and asking them if they want to join in and and hopefully have those out uh, in in a in early spring. They were originally scheduled for February, but we're going to probably put it back to um, April, May time for those four books. Um, so that's so when the you next are, stage of Psychic. Hmm? When you ask for submissions and do you just ask people to send in anything at all and then you see what comes in and start to form your ideas around that or do you give them some kind of guidance? Oh, we gave a lot of guidance in this case. So we told we I made the cover I made the covers to the books. We gave them the titles okay. and in this case we said what kind of things we saw we we thought should be involved in the book. So with book of misquotation, say it again, a book of misquotation, say we said we want you to send in something that is uh, has a claim to being like a, a poem or a fragment of a poem, like think poetry, but also think in terms of 
taking something that someone has said already, like a, like, like a quotation, and can you alter some words in order to change the sense of it in some way so that it's saying something, something new? Or can you do it, say, by taking what is a totally authentic equation, uh, sorry, a totally authentic quotation and then misattributing it? Does that create like a new line of meaning or claiming someone said something that they didn't using that as the as the framework? So that, that's what we said we wanted for that book. And we got a lot of um, we got a lot of submissions on that basis and then from those submissions we're kind of working out how we would then divide that book maybe into sections covering different areas and um and also and what sort of introductory text or accompanying text we might put about the things that we've been sent in order to kind of give the book a structure uh, and a and a sense of a and sort of a, a coherence throughout it so it, it it works in that sort of way and what we'll inevitably find once we've once we've like singled out the ones that we think need to go in the book is that there'll then be sort of gaps, like some gaps that need filling in to make it feel like a bit more full. And that's where we'll be going to some of the poets that we uh, that we know or know of approaching some people and saying, um, it'd be great to have like, you know, maybe you'd like to add something to this book as well. No problem if you don't, obviously for these ones, we're not able to pay people because we're not funded at the moment, but, um, um but you know if you if you want to join the project you get a you'd get a copy of the book and and do the launch and things like that um so that's that's the that's the way those are going and, hope, and if they go well the idea is that we've, we're then in a good position to ask for another tra tranche of funding from the arts council for like a big project after that and be able to start paying artists and writers again um and then i've got because i've got this book of my of my thesis coming out uh, in March, what I have to do is finalize, uh, like get to get to a point with some of the practical work I did all the way through my PhD to get to the point where I can actually make those public to go alongside the book as well. So these are little experiments in game poetry, uh, game game poem hybrids that I've been working on. I've had like some of them are, are years old, but I've like that because they're experimental. Like I've not quite gotten to a state where I think they're, they're playable or easy to present and I've got to kind of polish some of them up they're only small but like put them out there in a form that people who who buy the book or are interested in the book can sort of play them online and see uh see what they think in a company uh to, to when, when they're reading them in the company of the commentary and and my uh, discussion of the theory around them so those are the main projects at the moment. Oh, one more thing. Because yes. <laughs> I, I always have a lot of things on my plate. So um, and all, all these sort of link into the fact into the fact as well that I want to at some point this year launch like a little um sub website that is a sort of a base for how the pamphlet, the poetry pamphlets are released net last year and the book I'll be releasing next and some other things are all connected together by a by an imaginary, by a sort of imaginary world. I'm trying to, I'm experimenting with the idea of like, can you get something that's partway between uh, a a an interesting, a fantasy world and a metaphysical, a metaphysical poem almost. A fantasy world, an online game, and a metaphysical poem in between that. I'm thinking wow. like, you go to the website, you find out a little bit about like the world in fragments. You can move around it like you would on Wikipedia by going to reading about different people in this world, different sections. And then some of those people or characters will turn up in a in one of the books uh, in a different guise. Um, the books will, will all be sort of things you can buy and read on their own, but they also like plug into in a way and relate to uh, this overall picture of a of a world. And if I if I can do a convincing enough job of that, I think there's a good case for that being like something that I would then write about as a as a as a sort of theorist and practitioner in terms of how that came about and what it says about the future of hybrid forms, hybrid hybrids of fiction, poem and fiction, poetry and games. That sounds amazing. I mean, I hate to use the word because it feels like it's been kind of stolen recently, but it's it's very meta, very metaverse. <laughs> yeah, uh, be a better metaverse. Better I mean, metaverse. That's what I should call yeah. it, better metaverse. Better no, yeah, I, I think of it, I, I think it's a, it's an alternative direction to think of. 
um, rather than as all as all like entering into a virtual world where we have avatars right is i mean i, I think that i think that really is probably where culture should go next is not more fully into like everything digital but it's about I'm, I'm mostly interested in the ways we connect together old media and new media so that we're not just kind of like sinking into one but so so that there are passageways all the time between these different things that already exist because so that things don't get sort of hived off into niches for like one type of person you know there's one type of digital native and one person who We'll only read books i'm really i'm really interested yeah. in finding ways to connect these up so that people can kind of cross over and and move into territory they might once been uncomfortable with and and meet each other along the way i mean it is it's taking advantage of um modern technology digital technology to actually bring back the old village campfire in many ways of having that communal feeling of people sharing their stories and their poems and, and each adding a bit to the culture from themselves rather than funneling them everybody into silos where they're all very similar which is what a lot of the internet yes, has done isn't it? exactly i mean one of the way the, the current current technology and current culture is very much something like we're all sort of partly for partly against right there are things that, that feel very wrong about it things that feel very Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm in one sense like a big technophile and I like see very readily like all the opportunities that are in front of us and the ways it can kind of help connect us together. But also like you have to be aware of the fact that it's in some ways it's not doing that. In some ways what's going on with the sheer amount of things being produced and the different ways they're marketed is we're getting siloed. We're all getting put into our little boxes and finding it harder to talk to each other because there are um because we've all we're all watching slightly different tv programs or reading different books um some of us aren't reading books at all or into completely different things and um and that's that's because it's easier to market things i think to people who already like it right so you you know classic example is like game game culture like if you're a gamer it seems like you have to like follow every kind of game and be totally into it and then everyone outside of that is completely baffled by it and I think, the, the, I think the, the work I want to do or be a part of is like going completely against that tide and 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 working out ways in which um, we can actually have productive conversations with each other at all levels um, from all these from all these different silos and slip between them more easily. It not it not feel like you you have to be an expert in one area to move to the next. It feel more natural to just kind of you know slip between them. Um, meet other people crossing the other way, that kind of idea. Yeah, that sounds excellent, John. Really good luck with that as well. That sounds like a really interesting, important project to be doing. Um, I would very much like to hear more about this. Unfortunately, I think we've nearly run out of time. Um, I'm supposed to be going off to type this up now, but I think I might just play with your website a bit more instead and see what's on there. Um, yes. Thank you very much for joining me today and well, thanks very much for the uh, questions and for letting me, letting me ramble on and see oh, where it went i didn't know when to start this exactly what, what i would talk about or where it would go that's been really interesting and i look forward to seeing your future output and your past output on your website in a few minutes i think <laughs> thanks very much thanks john take, take care, care.